1: What should downtown Chicago look like 20 years from now? And how can the area better serve its residents? Those are some of the questions shaping Chicago's new vision for downtown development over the next two decades. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. This revamp is coming at a crucial time. The city's seeing high vacancy rates among stores and offices. There's a rash of problems with its transit system and also growing concerns over crime and public safety. We discussed the city's planning on addressing these issues with Melody Mercado. She's a reporter at Block Club Chicago covering the Loop, West Loop, River North and the Gold Coast. We also asked listeners to tell us what they would like to see. So, Melody, the new vision will build off of the city's 2003 Central Area Plan. Before we talk about the details of that plan, just tell us, what's considered the
2: central area? So, the central area has grown over time. Um, the 2003 plan, if I'm remembering correctly, it was a a, a six-mile square radius. The uh, uh, area that will be considered for the 2024 Central Area Plan is 7.2 square mile. Radius. Um, it has extended uh, a little farther south, a little bit west, and that's because of the the increased population density and just the overall increased increased amounts of development that have contributed to the loop. Um, and and so that's the main area that we're we're talking about. Yeah.
1: So the the area is bounded by Division Street on the north, portions of Ogden Avenue, Ashland Avenue, and Halsted Street on the west portions of Cermak Road and 26th Street on the south and Lake Michigan on the east. Uh, we know the issues downtown Chicago's facing right now, Melody, mm-hmm. right? But in 2003, the, the city was, was trying to shift the downtown area from this nine to five work environment to a much more diverse place. So can you just tell us a bit more about like what the biggest issues were back then?
2: So they, uh, some the city uh, points to specific successes from the two- 2003 plan when I talked to them. Some of those include Millennium Park, um, which we now know is is a big destination for people that live and come to visit downtown. And, and then in addition to that, the Chicago Riverwalk area, really trying to make that a destination for people to come to downtown, again, not just to work, and to make it an amenity for people that we're starting to call downtown their home i see so those are two really big um, successes from the plan Um, the plan also um, uh, wanted to incorporate uh, more mixed use developments so uh, uh, retail on the ground floor some more office space on top it also put a priority on expanding some of that office space into the west loop which we've actually seen you know that has actually occurred totally
1: yeah and it's now been 20 years since that plan came out. So I mean, what did it end up accomplishing, to your point?
2: Yeah, like we, we've seen some increases in, in green space downtown or at least uh, increased development of green yeah, spaces. Some streets have widened. Yes, a lot of streets. Well, and and that's due to plans just over- you know, the last several other central area plans, which have contributed to the widening of major streets and roads in downtown, just increased streetscapes um, and just uh, trying to create downtown to be, quote unquote, the most green downtown area in America. Um, People will say there's still lots of improvement for that. uh, But those those are the key points.
1: So you reported, Melody, that, you know, many of the um, the aspirational ideas of the city's 2003 downtown plan, how they never came to fruition. Right. As you, you mentioned. So talk about some of those, the things that just never happened.
2: Um, so a lot uh, specifically, you know, I was I was talking about sort of the 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 the, the central area plan that started, yeah. that started it all. And that was in, in 1909, I believe. Um, a long time ago. That was uh, sort of like the inspiration for all of these central area plans in Chicago. Um, and that was uh, that was is often referred to as the Burnham plan. And, you know, the proposal, it conveyed lots of possible scenarios for growing downtown. They really were shooting for the stars there. But um, really, that plan inspired the city of Chicago to then continue on with creating central area plans. I see. Um, So they're
1: trying to incorporate some of those goals into this next plan.
2: Yes. And so, um, you know, building off of the last several... Decades and decades of central area plans. We have seen that that's contributed to creating the museum campus. Mm-hmm. It's also created, helped create, you know, the 25 miles of lakefront that serves as a, a park space. Um, in addition to that, it's also added... Um, uh, It's also added a lot of the the beaches that we see now. Mm -hmm. It's created the extension of the Pedway and the reactivation of Navy Pier. So, as you mentioned,
1: this new plan is going to guide downtown development from 2024 through 2044, which sounds so far away. (laughs) Uh, I mean, what kind of impact, Melody, could this new 20-year vision have on Chicago and really just on, on the people who live here?
2: Yeah, and so one of the big things that we've seen about downtown is that it has increasingly become more residential. And so now looking into this new plan that the city, you know, is wanting to create to help guide for the next 20 years is how do we sustain, create create a neighborhood that's sustainable for the people that are living here? Um, in addition to that, we know that the pandemic um has unfortunately uh, contributed to lots of vacant retail space and office space downtown. And some of that has just remained vacant. And yeah. so the question is how do we take those vacant spaces? And revitalize it. I'm sure this is uh, causing lots of people to remember the revitalized LaSalle plan, um, and so that uh, that the that the city is trying to move forward with right now. And you know that's to create the LaSalle financial district into more of like a residential neighborhood, converting a lot of that vacant space into um, apartments. Mm-hmm. And again, trying to make it more of a neighborhood. And so I think that we are going to see. Um, Some ideas like that reflected into the plan that will guide the area, this downtown for the next 20 years. For sure. Well, this planning process is going to kick
1: off tomorrow with this uh, public webinar. Give us the details.
2: So... We know that the city, it's, re- it's really going to be, like, the first introduction into what a central area plan is and what how residents can get involved and really what the process is going to look like. We know that the city is planning to do lots of different activations to try to get residents involved. Again, they're doing this meeting. They want to do a lot of, um, like, pop-up activations throughout the city uh, for people passing through downtown to try to get their input. There are going to be surveys. All of that, all of that stuff, trying to get people involved. And that's really going to last through September of this year. And we can expect sort of like a a draft proposal um, to be put forth uh, in the fall of next year. Before I let you
1: go, Melody, let's hear from a caller who's been standing by. Here's Callie in Rogers Park. Hey, Callie, welcome to Reset.
3: Hi, how are you?
1: Doing well. What are your thoughts on, on the city's downtown? What should we do? What should change?
3: Well, I just noticed one I drive Michigan Avenue and downtown a lot, and there's a lot of beautiful space that's empty, and I'm wondering if they can do some kind of, like, pop-up events where you have, like, a 60-day residency for music mm. events in some of these beautiful areas and even some pop-up stores just to drive a unique population like downtown who maybe doesn't go to Michigan Avenue all the time or that whole area because that's more – there's a lot of touristy – But maybe people from the neighborhoods would be more apt to come down to see some of their favorite local bands.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea.
3: You know, art events, anything that you can put in some of these beautiful spaces. I mean, just because they're just sort of empty and they look a little sad.
1: No, makes perfect sense, Kelly. Thanks for sharing that. We're here nodding in studio, Melody. I think I think we both <laughs> like that idea. Yeah. When she said she had me at music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Live me <too>. music.
2: <laughs> me too. Sounds
1: like a taste of, of all the things that we'll we'll hear tomorrow at that, that public webinar. Folks, you can register at chicago.gov slash C A P twenty twenty four. Melody Mercado is a block club Chicago reporter covering the Loop, West Loop, River North, and the Gold Coast. Thanks
2: so much for your time. Thanks for having me.
1: One question at the forefront of this conversation, how do we make sure this new plan works for everyone? Equitable is one of the key phrases describing Chicago's new vision for how the downtown area could serve all Chicagoans for the next 20 years. So how can the city get there? And what should leaders prioritize? Well, to find out, we talked to a panel of community groups that represent a wide range of issues, from housing and economic development to sustainability and the arts. Monica Felix is the executive director of Chicago Cultural Alliance. Andrew Broderick is an urban designer at Perkins & Will. He's also the chairman of the Burnham Council Board at the Chicago Central Area Committee. And Kendra Freeman is the vice president of programs and strategic impact at the Metropolitan Planning Council. Let's jump to the phone lines. Vestry's been waiting in River North. Hey, Vestry, welcome to Reset.
3: Hi. So uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have been a great, uh, I've been a resident of Chicago now, both in West Loop and River North for the last six years, and I've loved it. I'm a transplant to the area and now call this place my home. Um, something I would like to see uh, that I didn't have where I, I grew up in Oklahoma um, was is further investment in the public transit to um, just uh, maintenance, cleanliness. Um, I I know that that has to do with staffing issues, and I feel like that's probably gotten worse since the pandemic. So just uh, further investment in our uh, trains and buses and uh, the cleanliness aspect, as well as maybe upgrading some of the stations um, just to be more appealing. I think that would help draw more people in uh, to the downtown area if they had uh, the public transit options um, yeah. a bit more appealing to them. Well,
1: yeah, I think a lot of people share your, your opinion there, Vestry. Thank you so much for for calling. I, I'm seeing nods around the table as well. But I, I do want to start with, with you folks by asking about something I mentioned early on there, which was equitable growth. What does equitable growth mean to you? Because equitable, it, it's a buzzword and it often gets thrown around. So, Kendra. With that look on your face, I got to come to you first.
4: (laughs) Yeah, um, it's funny you would ask that question um, because I've been thinking about this a lot and recently had a conversation with Brookings because they have a metro monitor that looks at like indicators around equitable growth. So it's not just about how fast we're growing or how the population is growing. It's like, how do we grow together? Like, are we looking at indicators of equitable growth like gaps in wealth? Are we looking at not just employment opportunities, but are we looking at living wages and how people are actually able to sustain themselves and be able to afford to live Mm -hmm. in the amazing neighborhoods in Chicago all across the city, but also have access to the Central Area District as well. Um, And we have seen a lot of residential growth in the population, particularly around downtown, but that growth has not necessarily been balanced. You know, when you actually look at the numbers, Uh, It's not representative of the demographics of the city, and Blacks and Latinx populations tend to be less represented in the Central Area District than they do in other areas of the city.
1: Yeah. Andrew,
5: your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think, you know, expanding job growth to South and West siders who can who can live, work, and play in the downtown area. I think a big part of equity for me is expanding affordability, uh, thinking about a mix of income in terms of housing downtown. You know, what, quarter of a million people call downtown home. I think some of the recent efforts that the that Department of Planning and Development has led through reimagining LaSalle Street and expanding affordable housing at mixed income levels can help achieve some equity goals. I would look to extend more of that in a substantial way over the next 20 years.
1: What does equitable
6: growth mean to you, Monica? Well, in many ways, I'm probably going to echo some of the sentiments that were expressed here. But, you know, as long as we're talking about equitable growth for the city, it's important to think of the loop not as just a destination, but I think as a gateway. It's a place where people arrive in our city, which is incredibly diverse, but it should be a starting point. So we should find a way to get people out beyond the loop into the neighborhoods and uh, bringing that money that they have, you know, spending at restaurants and local hotels, but also museums, Mm -hmm. cultural centers, getting out into the neighborhoods as well.
1: Now, Andrew, the the timing of this new plan, it seems to be crucial here because downtown Chicago, it's still recovering, as we know, from the the after effects of a global pandemic, uh, probably something that leaders of, of this 2003 plan Definitely didn't see coming, right? Remind us, what new challenges did the pandemic bring to downtown areas like ours in Mm -hmm. Chicago? And and then how well did the city respond to those issues?
5: Yeah, I think it's it's clearly an inflection point for downtown. And and downtown has faced this in the past. And it's, I think, a realization that downtown cannot take care of itself it needs a plan and some and a vision that can it can guide the next couple of decades and there's some near term things to respond to here with regards to retail vacancy uh, public safety components uh, public safety issues there uh, lack of investment especially in the historic core areas and while we've had tremendous success and growth in the west loop um, plans in the south loop around the seventy eight and River North, I think the realization that the loop, Mm -hmm. the historic loop itself, really needs a thoughtful plan to help address issues coming out of the pandemic around vacancy, around lack of access, around public safety. And I think it needs to have a pro-growth and an equitable growth mindset in the future. That's what's different than 2003, perhaps, Mm -hmm. that can focus a more resilient, I would say, equitable and innovative downtown place. And it's not an either or. I don't think that that is the neighborhoods or downtown. I believe it's a both and, and that uh, that that downtown actually is the heart of Chicago and needs this this sort of planning effort to help guide investments in Marshall resources to address some of the things coming out of the pandemic.
1: What did you notice, uh, Kendra, about how the pandemic has affected housing and development downtown?
4: Yeah, I think similarly. I mean, there was kind of a scare, like. Do people in high-rise, are they going to stay there? You know, we want all single-family homes, and people were moving and buying different things. But the, it's bounced back. I mean, people have shown that they want to live in and near. Are bazoom. we all the way back? I don't know that we're all the way back, okay. but I, if we're not, we're, we're definitely close. I mean, we've seen some recovery. We've seen definite uh, trends of people wanting to come and live closer to the loop in those areas, you know, and yeah. they've been stabilized. What
1: challenges did the pandemic bring to the, the arts and culture scene, Monica?
6: Oh, it's really beyond measure. Honestly, I mean, uh, I'm just glad that they had access to some of the COVID relief uh, funding opportunities that were out there. But you know, just within within our consortium, we you know we represent 49 centers of uh, cultural heritage around the city, and for the majority of them, we saw staff turnover. People left. They had to omit positions. Uh, a lot of the funding that they normally would receive during the year is gone. And their fundraising events, they would hold in-person galas or hold exhibits, yeah. ticketed events. None of that was happening. So they had to pivot to virtual, which is a real challenge for a population that is uh, not well-resourced and not used to holding events you know, on a computer, it's just in-person, getting out, knocking on doors and posting flyers.
5: Sasha, can, can I add one more thing about office? Sure. And people who work in the loop? I think, per the pandemic, giving people, this connects to culture, giving people a reason to come down to the office on a more regular basis, it's a competitive issue for employers, bringing people back to the office and continuing to sustain people coming back into work, but giving them p- reasons to be here beyond their work days. And I think it really leads yeah, with the culture before and after uh, working hours, right? It's a super special place. The yeah. Loop is just incredible. And I think to double down on that and recognize its importance and its opportunity in the future, not just recovery, but growth uh, beyond uh, beyond the pandemic. And yeah, that's the key,
1: getting point. out of that nine-to-five Work environment. That's right. Right. Uh, let's jump to the phone lines. Thomas is in Dalton. Hey, Thomas, welcome to Reset. What Hello. are your thoughts?
7: Hello. Thank you. Uh, first of all, my wife is a jazz musician and we'd love to work some of the venues downtown. Ah. Uh, but we, we do have a, uh, her name is Camilla Furicon. Um, Wonderful. And the problem is the parking, it costs so very much to park downtown. Uh, If there was just a a, a reduced-price parking lot somewhere down there, it would be very helpful, I guess, for the uh, people who, um, you know, are coming in from out of town or whatever. Uh, Secondly, uh, you talked about um, equitable growth. Uh, Sure, it would be great to have the restaurants come back and, of course, once again have uh, the musician, my my wife's band come in and mm-hmm. help bring more people in. Uh, but um,
1: yeah, good, Chicago good, good is, thoughts.
7: It's a great town. So I, I, I'm just, I'm going to conclude with that because I know you have a lot of people.
1: Thank you, Thomas. Appreciate you and, uh, and and love that that commentary. He says, "I love downtown for its art scene, but parking is awful." <laughs>
4: Kendra. <laughs> Um driving downtown is a hot mess. I'm just going to say it. Um I'm a public transit taker even though I live in the suburbs. I take the commuter train in. And I think we need we need to improve ridership on CTA and Metra and we need to also have alternative forms of transportation downtown. The more cars we have downtown, the more congested it becomes. We have uh greenhouse gases. I mean it's it's, it's it creates other resiliency issues. Mm-hmm. And so how do we build um faith in Investment in our in our infrastructure of public transit because we have a wonderful public transit infrastructure better than most cities across the country. But how do we kind of restore confidence in that and make it safe and make it usable um, and get people on it? I think is an important thing. And of course, that'll certainly ease
1: parking, which is which yes, is Thomas's yes. concern. There. Uh, let's hear from another caller. Here's B in Downers Grove. Hey, B, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, hello, uh, thank you. Yeah, so my suggestion would be um, something that I got to experience myself in Japan. They have pods in the downtown populated areas. Some pods are um, there for meetings. Um, Some are like a tiny living room where you could put your feet up and do your work and kind of just take a mental health break. And they're tiny. They don't require a lot of room, but I think that would be the best for the downtown area because I can't really afford to like sit down at a restaurant to like take a breather. Mm -hmm. This would be way more affordable to, you know, take a sack lunch, go sit down, watch some TV, put your feet up 30 minutes. Sounds cool. And, you know, like uh, they, had a lot of people just reserving them and yeah. uh I, I think that would be amazing uh also
1: very I interesting
3: more, i think like as far as taking car downtown the only reason i ever did it when i uh worked uh near rush was because i wanted that cocoon to kind of just take a breather and be on my own and like yeah. just you know and that that would really uh, have me leave the car at home because I know I'd have a space.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm sensing a theme here in in your your commentary. Thanks so much, B, for for sharing that. What do you think, Monica, about these pods? I mean could could Chicago use some pods for for work and I mean, entertainment in the city?
6: It's an exciting idea. I am not really sure how it'd be implemented, but I, I do feel the point that she's expressing along with uh, your first caller where there isn't a place to just be at peace, to rest downtown you feel like you always have to move, you have to justify your existence by buying a coffee or something yeah. while, while you're walking around and it's not especially family friendly, right? And I mean that's that's why I think it makes sense, you know, you're asking callers to give their input on the vision for this this plan. It makes sense for the downtown to be a starting point, but not necessarily the final destination. Is there a way that we can get people to go out into communities where there is parking, where you can sit in a park and enjoy a meal with your friends? Um I just think there are so many opportunities to collaborate both in a public and a private private level. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I mean, we're talking right now about citywide planning, but is there a component that brings in private institutions to make that possible? So, for example, we're focusing on the Art, art Institute, which is a major draw in the city. Have people come, check out that exhibit, mm-hmm. but why not incorporate a component that says, you know, for those of you who love modern art why not head on out to Ukrainian Village and see the Ukrainian Institute of Modern Art? Go to Humboldt Park, see the National Museum of Puerto Rican Arts and Culture. They have a great exhibit there. Yes. Or the Southside Community Arts Center, right? So if that's a very public place to put that information, and you get both the visitors downtown, and then hopefully something that draws them out into the communities later. I love that.
1: You know, I want to ask you something, Andrew. Experts are warning that major cities like Chicago, they could soon turn into an urban doom loop. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's this idea that as downtown areas become less of a center for work and for entertainment, we're going to see this negative domino effect on retail, on housing, on transportation, and other core activities uh, that urban centers thrive on. Is that a real possibility for downtown Chicago?
5: It's not a term I would ever use. <laughs> and I say, and I want to focus on assets and, and people. You know, over half of Chicagoland jobs are in the loop, right, or in downtown. Uh, 250,000 residents, right? I think we have to focus and celebrate what makes us strong as assets and foundation for future growth downtown has proven resilient in the past. It has burned to the ground and been resurrected again, right? And I think that we're not, we're not there yet in 1871. Here we are in 2023. It's a different set of issues, mm-hmm. but I'm not doom and gloom here. Uh, you know, and I, I'm an urban planner, right? And I'm passionate about cities. And Chicago has some of the best assets of any downtown in this world. And we're facing lots of competition. Competition globally, competition nationally across yeah. growing Sunbelt cities, nationally. Charlotte.
1: Who's our Charlotte.
5: biggest competition? Um, Well, uh, historically, you know, Chicago, uh, Chicago's competed globally, you know, New York and L.A., uh, London, (laughs) Paris. Um, I think there's rising uh, competition within other urban downtowns that are gathering lots of investment Mm -hmm. in rising sunbelt cities, growing cities, Charlotte, Atlanta, Nashville. But they are only now discovering their urbanism that we've had for over 100 years, 150 years. Right. So. You know, I'm not I'm not doom and gloom here. I'm I'm quite positive, actually. And if you think about a downtown plan moving forward, there's investments that can happen in reimagining old office buildings for residential, in investing in transportation and a a, a transportation circulator that could connect Navy Pier, where we are right now, to to downtown, to um, to. McCormick Place, and thinking about open space, think about the Riverwalk. Mm -hmm. That wasn't here in 2003, right? Millennium Park used to be rail lines, right? So there's a lot of imagining, and I want to challenge Chicago to not think about the next two years. I mean, that is important, but thinking about a vision and the ability to think big like Chicago has done in the past.
1: Kendra, a recent report from the Federal Reserve Bank, and I don't want to stay in the doom and gloom (laughs) after what Andrew just said, uh, but a recent report from the Federal Reserve Bank in Chicago, it hints at a looming recession in, in our city. How can city leaders factor that in into the plan?
4: yeah that's a that's a really good question. I wish I had a little bit more time to think about that <laughs> but um I think a couple of things i think you know how do we leverage what we have like how do we have a lot of public spaces that are probably underutilized so how do we better leverage those public spaces and make them do double duty um how do we again get people back into into the central business area how how do we also um create more opportunities for people to enjoy public spaces, you know, when they are like on a budget and don't have as much income to be able to spend? You know, how do we make those spaces more welcoming of people and families and, and everybody who, who could be downtown? And I think also building a shared vision around what we want our downtown to be is, is a big part of that and making sure that there's people around the table who are representative of, of the broad diversity that we live in.
1: You know, downtown Chicago is home to several school campuses, including colleges. Andrew, how can the city leverage its educational institutions?
5: Amen. One of the best assets for the city, at large, and I think at least pre-pandemic, there was over fifty thousand college students that called downtown home. Um, I think that's a wonderful asset to build on, and I think the connectivity and partnerships. Um, America's urban campus is uh, is one such organization here in Chicago that convenes all seventeen. Uh, Institute of higher education, um, and I think you know it 's part of think about recession, right We think about a diverse economy which Chicago is. We think about a connected place in a central area that Chicago is. We think about the educational opportunities, um, especially across higher uh, upper level higher education here in, in downtown. I think those are all assets to build around and, and make sure that they have the tools and infrastructure to thrive even yeah. more in the future and I think it is about workforce development alignment and connecting opportunity. Uh, from the community college level all the way up through graduate education to south and west side residents in particular uh, through incentive programs and work- workforce development Let's programs.
1: squeeze in one more caller, Lester in Englewood. Hey, Lester, your thoughts? Hey, how are you? Thanks again for the show. Uh, sure.
7: work with the University of Chicago as a student. We've tried to do a lot of things there. Right now the development is for the loop. How can we get this better? Right now we have a lot of people that are putting up their tents living on the sidelines. As you come downtown, you see these people all over the place. And we'd hope to possibly get some boats from people like the United States. They have a ton of Army-owned crafts that can hold a ton of people and have them housed. And we would not have to worry about anything that's loaded on the offshore. And we could do a lot of things. Yeah. Good thought
1: there. Thank you, Lester. Appreciate your call. Any final thoughts from you, Monica?
6: No, you know, I think it's incredibly important to plan a few years ahead. So I'm just glad these conversations are happening. And when we were sitting in the room outside, we were saying 20 years is, uh, is a long time for Chicago. It <laughs> is you a long time. You see so much change, and it takes almost half that time to get all the collaborators together. That you need A lot the for the place. city to turn around
1: in 20 years, right? Yeah. Uh, we'll leave it there. We've been talking about priorities for the future of downtown Chicago with Monica Felix of the Chicago Cultural Alliance, Kendra Freeman of the Metropolitan Planning Council, and Andrew Broderick, an urban designer at Perkins & Will. Thank you all. That episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Stephanie Kim, and it was edited by Dan Tucker and Ethan Schwab. Now, if you like what you're hearing, let us know. Give us a rating. Leave us a comment. That really helps other people find us and join the conversation. That's it for this Reset Podcast. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll meet again soon.